is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. McKnight. Welcome in. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I am Connor McKnight. We got you for the next hour. Smack dab in the offseason. I was almost going to say the middle of the offseason, but we got some time before we get to the center point. We're at the very outset. Free agency is rolling. Non-tenders have been, I guess you don't offer a non-tender. You don't tender anybody anything, and that's why they get non-tendered. Non-tenders have increased the free agent targets out there, trades floating around, and some getting sent in to the league office and moving some outfielders here and there. And, of course, your awards winners and runners-up were announced. Some big news for the White Sox over the last couple of days. And and some of it, I, I think, was pretty well expected. Dylan Cease finished second in AL Cy Young voting. Justin Verlander wins the award. He's won that a handful of times already. Verlander had one heck of a season and a well-deserved AL Cy Young. We talked a lot in the last like two months of the season as Dylan was kind of making that run and, and putting everybody on notice that he, he might be the only guy in the league, in the American League, to challenge Justin Verlander for the Cy Young. There was that matchup between Verlander and Cease Late in the season, a White Sox-Astros game that didn't go really uh, to either starting pitcher's advantage, although I guess more to Verlanders than to Cease's. And it might have been a scenario where you saw something really cool happen, uh, but alas, it turned out to not be the case. Either way, a a terrific year for Dylan Cease, one in which he took several steps forward, not just one, uh, and he finishes second in AL Cy Young voting. To that end, Uh, Dylan had a press conference after the award was announced and and given to Verlander, the Astros, uh, Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach spoke a bit as well. Uh, not only uh, about Dylan Cease, but also about some other White Sox pitchers that are under contract. So I want to bring you some of the sound from both Dylan and from Ethan. As we get started here this afternoon, our guest coming up at two 30 is Jesse Rogers of ESPN covers uh, both sides of town here in Chicago, and has a finger on the pulse of the entire Major League Baseball landscape. So, you know, I I thought this would be a perfect time as we're really starting to dig into free agency, getting some solid rumors, you know, popping up. Kind of take a look at where the White Sox sit in some of these conversations, be it trade or free agency or now with the non-tenders. Kind of expand that into a different realm a little bit as well. And toward the latter half of the show, we'll talk a bit about some roster moves that the White Sox made, the non-tenders that they have off their roster, and Adam Engel, Mark Payton, and Danny Mendick. We'll get into the how and the why and the and the what fours uh, of those three, and then the forty-man roster uh, that had the uh, that had guys added to it, Brian Ramos and Jose Rodriguez prior to Tuesday's deadline to protect players from the Rule 5 draft. That's coming up December 7th. So we'll talk about those decisions and those players as well. And we'll get into uh, some of the rumors around the White Sox hitting coach that has yet to be named but may well have a name. We'll get into that in the latter half of the show. 
3776. That's the phone number. You want to talk a little White Sox? You want to talk a little baseball here in the depths of November? Feel free. We're available to you. It feels like it's, oh man, it's it's gotten real cold. The hot stove to heat up a little bit, keep everybody warm in this cold November. Also, Sox fans, 2023 ticket plans are available now. We offer a variety of plans, and when you lock in today, you'll get flexible payment plans, savings on single games, great seat locations, and more. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash season tickets. All right, let's get to the words from the man himself. Dylan Cease led the White Sox in wins above replacement. He was the best pitcher in the American League outside of Justin Verlander. It has been decided the awards were announced. Cease, you know, before we get into some of the comments that he made in a press conference talking with White Sox beat reporters after finishing as the runner-up in the AL Cy Young, I, I thought what was really impressive about Dylan, aside from the slider and the fastball and the knuckle curve and the strikeout numbers, and yes, a very high walk rate, uh, that he was able to strand and, and keep runners off and finish to an ERA of just 2.20 this year, I thought what else was was really important for Dylan Cease in the 2022 season was the role that he inhabited, that he took over, that he was kind of kind of given, right? You started the year and Lucas Giolito had the opening day start with Lance Lynn already on the injured list, having gone through surgery. Then in his first start of the season, Lucas Giolito suffers the abdominal strain that sets him back for two weeks. And then COVID, you know, about a month and a half, I think after that. So in a very real way, uh, just in terms of, of guys on the roster, Dylan Cease had to be that number one. The expectations were there for Dylan. And despite the White Sox finishing at 81 and 81 in the 2022 season, a a very disappointing finish given the expectations that were on this team, those expectations were still there throughout the bulk of, if not the entire season, you know, save for the last two weeks. So this is Dylan Cease, not just ascending in terms of performance and production, and an ERA plus of, of 180 and throwing 184 innings and posting 32 starts for the second straight season and nearing a no-hitter one out away against one of the best batters in baseball, Luis Arias, that near no-hitter against the Twins uh, in the middle of the summer as well. This is a guy who needed to be the one on a team that had championship aspirations. And he more than accomplished those goals. He more than fit that role. He didn't really shy away from any of that. So I, I thought that was a real big you know, point to Dylan Cease's favor in 2022. And I think also, you know, when you look at his second half, yes, there's, there's a couple of starts there toward the end where Dylan wasn't the guy he was for the rest of the season. But he wasn't an all-star in the middle of July. He did not go West with the rest of the American league all-stars. And that snub, I think is something that might've, you know, thrown some guys off. Dylan really expected. I remember talking to him for this show for white Sox weekly um, as the white Sox were, I I think headed to Minnesota in that final series before the all-star break. And we talked, you know, Dylan, it's, you're, you're probably headed to LA. You're probably going to be an all-star. How's that make you feel? And, and we, you know, talked around a little bit, hypothetically, I, he was he was ready for it. He was excited about it, and he didn't get it. 
He did finish second in Cy Young voting, and I think that was pretty cool as well. Anyway, uh, Dylan spoke to reporters earlier in the week after finishing uh, second in AL Cy Young voting. He, you know, as, as Dylan usually does, he's got a good head on his shoulders and a good perspective as well. He's already moving on to 2023, but he did talk about the year that was and reflect a little bit. I've already pretty much put this this last season behind me. I'm focused on, you know, 2023 and beyond. Um, and I think just a big thing is fastball command and just being a, a little a little more consistently in the strike zone and, and continuing to throw my off speed for strikes and uh, just adjusting on other pitch or adjusting on the curveball and slider or whatever needs to be adjusted on if if it gets to that point. But, um, you know, for the most part, I, I like where my stuff's at. It's really just utilizing a little more consistently now. After last year, you said, you know, you felt you had a lot of stuff in the tank. Do you still feel that way after after a season like this? Yeah, uh, physically, for sure. Um, it definitely, you know, long seasons are, are or seasons are long. So, um, you know, physically, I felt good. Um, definitely, definitely have utilized this uh, downtime to just relax and uh, unwind and, uh, you know, kind of get get my bearings going straight again. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm definitely ready and excited for 2023. So on May 24th, Dylan Cease in his ninth start of the year gave up seven earned runs to the Boston Red Sox at guaranteed rate field, three innings, eight hits. He gave up two home runs. He struck out four. He walked two. the Red Sox really got to him. Then he went on a stretch of 14 consecutive starts, allowing either one or zero earned runs. He walked 36 in those 14 games. He struck out 103. He allowed five home runs, had an ERA of .66 in those 14 games, and threw 82 innings in total. Cease talked a bit about a historic 14-game stretch in the middle of the last season. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always fun looking back, and um, you know I, I can think of times where the bases were loaded, or you know where there was there was big situations with guys on third and one out, and you know somehow some way there was either a ground ball or a strikeout. So um, yeah, it's really a stretch like that is really remarkable, and um, just uh, I don't know. In, in the midst of it, I really was just focused on continuing to just try to bring out my best every time, and um, you know that's that's where it ended up ended up taking me and uh, really was really was something special. That streak ended on August 16th against the Astros. It was the start, the Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander. Can Dylan Cease pull away or at least catch up with Verlander for AL Cy Young favorite? That was the conversation on August 16th. And remember, too, Verlander had spent, uh, I, I think, the better part of three weeks on the injured list uh, I believe he had a knee issue or a calf strain, something like that, a lower leg issue that kept him out for a couple of weeks. And it was that was the time for Cease to make his run. Cease went five innings, gave up three runs, walked three, struck out four. Not a great start, but he did keep the White Sox in the game. They won four to three in that particular game. So, you know, you, you did get the win. And at the time, it moved the White Sox to 61 and 56. Uh, still, Cease talked about that start in particular. Definitely a lot of hype on that game. Um, it was it was cool that it was cool that two guys that were sort of on that that potential sign path crossed that late in the season. Um, so yeah, I did you know I didn't 
I wasn't my sharpest and I'm not thrilled with how I pitched, but um, just, you know, the experience of going up against him and, and um, just really all that hype was uh, very unique. Verlander was was kind of his dude too when when Dylan was growing up watching I mean we all kind of have Justin Verlander pitch over the last decade and a half so really cool to kind of go up and get that matchup Um, and the other thing you know less on the 2022 season and more looking forward that Dylan talked about in his press conference after being named AL Cy Young runner-up he was asked about Ethan Katz and Kurt Hassler two coaches the pitching coaches that were on the team at last year and are now uh, in their uh, continuing on in their roles under Pedro Grifol, he was asked about the importance of keeping Cats and Haslow around, and also what his conversations and relationships so far is like with White Sox manager, new White Sox manager Pedro Grifol. Here's Dylan Cease. I really feel like I owe a lot of a lot of my success success to to Ethan and Hass. Um, you know, Ethan from day one came in and had a plan to help me. And, um, you know, we just work really well together. He, he's able to give me information and uh, kind of point me in the right direction. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's nice not having to put a lot of energy, mental energy on that side. And I can just put it into the process of, of actually what do I have to do to, to get better. So um, I, I owe a lot to Ethan. I mean, he, he's, he really did help me take my career to that next level, um, which is something that I really think has to be earned consistently. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful that I get to work with him and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, he, he's definitely earned that job. What have you heard about, uh, Grafal and, uh, what's your take on just having a new voice in the clubhouse and in the dugout next year? Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about him. Um, I, I spoke briefly with him and, um, he was, uh, very adamant that we we're going to be having a lot of communication and, uh, building a relationship. So, um, you know, with all the positive things I've heard about him and, and him coming up and um, really having that desire, it's, uh, it's exciting. And I, uh, from what I've heard, I think he's going to be really good for us. So that's Dylan Cease. We're going to hear from Ethan Katz after the break. But before we get to, uh, get to the commercials, our longtime friend, Ron on the South Side, has called into White Sox Weekly and gets the first call of the afternoon. So after the South Side we go, it's Ron. What's up, Ron? My friend, Connor, what better way to enjoy a winter day in November than talking White Sox baseball, my friend? Why couple not? Of things. Yeah, absolutely. We've been doing it a long time, so I'm going to get to my point. I, I want to follow up on some comments that Rick Hahn made. And he said, first of all, he said that they're not going to throw problems me money at their knees. I don't want to get into semantics, but I don't know if throwing me that it's, 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 it's a waste as opposed to spending. But more importantly, he says that they are going to possibly look more at trade. But now, Connor, here's my thing. I know, you, okay, like you look at Oakland. Oakland has a catcher that may be in demand. But they're going to look for good prospects. Now, when I look at the White Sox system, I don't see a lot of that. The White Sox are going to probably need a left fielder. If, as he said, uh, Eloy is better at DA, so you're going to need a left fielder, second baseman, maybe even pitcher. Only, I'm, only thing I'm suggesting, I don't mm-hmm. see where they're going to be able to trade their way to meet all of, all of those needs. They're going to – and you're not going to trade – from your uh, ex- existing 
you know, players on the field. I mean, so Vaughn, see, they would like somebody like Vaughn. But again, you, you, you're, if you if you are looking to go deep in the playoffs, you, you're not going to trade any of the everyday players. So just want to throw that and get your opinion that uh, he's going to have to look at some way of, uh, of bringing in a free agent because you're just not going to solve all those needs through trades. So always a pleasure, Connor. Ron, you're the best. You know it anytime, my man. Here's here's where we're at on that, and I, I think a couple of things. We're going to talk with Jesse Rogers at ESPN and, and get into exactly that at 2.30. So the bulk of the response, Ron and, and everybody else, that's going to be coming up a little bit later on in the show. But that is – you know, kind of the knife's edge that the White Sox are on this offseason, it sounds like, you know, given the comments from Rick Hahn that Ron kind of characterized there. It sounds like traits may be the way the White Sox look to improve their team. And if so, how do you trade from what the White Sox have while staying a contender in the AL Central and indeed in the rest of the American League? Uh, that's the question we'll put to Jesse Rogers right around 2.30. We're going to step to a break, and when we come back, we'll hear kind of some updates from White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz. Some really good stuff here on Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, and a fun one on Reynaldo Lopez as well. we got some news from the Sox, and Ethan Katz brought it to us. You'll hear it when we come back on ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Jesse Rogers of ESPN is our guest in about eight minutes. We have a lot of tape to get to here today. Ethan Katz made a little bit of news when he spoke to reporters in his kind of, you know, Dylan Cease runner-up Cy Young press conference sort of thing. I'm, I'm sure they titled it better than other places. Lord knows they should. Uh, but Ethan talked a lot uh, about some a number of pitchers on the White Sox roster, and I thought we should get this to you quick as we can. So here is White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz on the strides that Dylan Cease made throughout 2022. You know, I was very happy for him. I mean, I was, obviously I wanted to see him coming first, and um, it didn't happen, but I think that was a little anticipated with the year that Verlander had and how he finished. And um, so it was just great. I was, I was really happy to see him finish in second place. Uh, obviously first was uh, a, a better target, but – um, I was very happy for him, the work he put in and, and getting recognized for that, especially um, getting snubbed but from the All-Star game. So, you know, coming in, in second and not being an All-Star, I think says a lot about the season he had and how he finished. And that wasn't a distraction to him. Um, so I'm very happy. I mean, that, that, that can really it did bother him. And when he didn't get announced to be an All-Star to getting this, I think is a little bit more rewarding. So um, I'm happy for him. But. You know, the, the year he had and his progression has been, I mean, it's been evolving for a couple of years now. Just watching the day-to-day work, um, the conversations we have, the belief and trust in his stuff. Um, he's grown a lot. Um, some of the stuff that I've, I've commented on is um, his ability to control the running game. Uh, that That probably saved him quite a bit of runs, which... If you know you talk about eight to ten more runs, um, are we talking him being in the um, 
finalist for Cy Young? I don't know. But I think controlling the running game got a lot better. You know, so just his ability to take in a, a report, um, the dialogue uh, start to start was a lot more just for what he wanted to do. Um, so he he grew a lot, and I think he's still growing. There's still some stuff that, um, and I've said this a lot, that he's still still evolving, even with the year he had. Yeah, so when you look at, at what Dylan's year looked like, and okay, all right, Ethan, where could he get better, right? He led the league in 78 walks. You bring that total down by 25%, and you're talking about something completely different. If you cut it in half, it's, it's again, that much better. Um, Ethan has been pretty steadfast in well, you know, whatever he comments on how good Dylan's been, that there's still more to go for the young man, and that's huge for the White Sox in 2023. Uh, Ethan had a lot more to say. Uh, about some pitchers on the roster, but I wanted to get first to his first impressions of new manager Pedro Grifol, who he will work with, obviously, very closely next season. Conversations have been great. There's There's been a lot of dialogue, uh, you know, kind of figuring out where guys are right now, just talking about the team from, from the pitching standpoint. But other than that, like how, like how it's going to be from last year to this year, uh, I think that comes in, in due time. Um, but so far, our conversations have been fantastic. The communication has been really good. What's going to be like for you finally have a, quote, normal preseason, normal conversations with pitchers since you didn't have that last year? Uh, it's going to be great. I mean, I get to contact our guys as frequently as much as I want, um, which is always which is always good to kind of know where they are, answer their questions, uh, watch video, do videos with them to kind of stay on top of everything and make sure that they're having the best off season possible. Um, we just gave them their player plans. So, uh, you know, they have a lot of information that they're digesting and they're just starting to ramp up already. So um, they're excited. So we're, we're going to get a lot of work done this off season and, and be ready to go. One of the guys who has done a lot of work in off seasons past and the White Sox will count on to do a lot more work this off season is Lucas Giolito. Obviously, 22 did not go well for Lucas. The ERA was right around five. There were injuries and COVID, of course, all kinds of different things. And, the, you know, the velocity late in the season just wasn't where you like to see uh, Lucas work at. So to that end, Katz was asked about the prospects for Giolito in this offseason. Um, I, I plan to check in on him, uh, you know, personally. But we're going to do a lot of stuff uh, via video. Uh, he's he's in Southern California uh, working out at a facility right now who I, um, had a good Zoom meeting with the people that are going to kind of be watching, um, overseeing his his stuff from a day-to-day basis where he's working out. So, um, you know, he's always bounced back. And, you know, last year was frustrating to him. And he's going to – he's highly motivated. He's working hard currently as we speak. Uh, we have a, a really nice – idea of where he needs to go from here and what his offseason should look like. So he's really excited. Um, I'm excited and, and and he's going to work hard. So that's all we can ask for right now is to kind of put in the work and, and let due time take his course. That's White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz. We'll get to more in the latter half of the show. Uh, he spoke about Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet and Ronaldo Lopez, all of which I thought was pretty interesting. Always interesting is talking baseball 
with our own Jesse Rogers, ESPN Zone. You hear him here a lot. We'll talk about the offseason with him when we come back. Before we hit the break, you should know that you can become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five, pre-sales, and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit whitesox.com slash insider today. Jesse Rogers, up next on White Sox Weekly, it's ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Sox fans, if you're planning a special occasion and looking for the perfect location, we've got you covered. When you reserve your group outing for 2023, you get priority access to the biggest matchups and the best space for your group. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash groups. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight, and we have Jesse Rogers of ESPN on the line. He knows what it takes to cover Major League Baseball. Been doing it for a while. One of my favorite guys to talk to. Always a pleasure to speak with you, Jesse. And uh, you know, I, I know we're not up in the box in, in, at guaranteed rate field, uh, sharing a Diet Coke or anything like that. But this will have to do in the middle of November. How the hell are you, my friend? Good. You're really good. Just settling in for the offseason. Um, I think the hot stove is really going to heat up now that we're past some of these deadlines, the tender deadline yesterday and all that jazz. Um, it was kind of a quick offseason, you know, sort of butted up against the World Series there with the GM meetings. And so it, it's still in some ways very early, but I think we'll finally get it going here and definitely going into the winter meetings. I, th- I think there'll be a lot of action. So it's kind of like a, a slow start because of the lockout, the late you know, game six of the World Series ending in early November there. Um, so, yeah, I'm just settling in. It's going to be fun. I think a, a lot of movement uh, to come for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I caught one of your hits. I, I think it was with Waddle and Sylvie maybe last week, week before, and you kind of characterized GMs saying they're about a week, week and a half behind. Is that is that kind of the reason why that kind of, um, you know, what the, that you've encapsulated here that we're just, you know, maybe a little slower moving from the GM standpoint than usual? Yeah, definitely. I mean, from a just technical standpoint, um, during the GM meetings, which were in Vegas uh, two days after the World Series ended, you weren't even allowed to talk figures, technically, mm-hmm. agents and teams. You had to wait for five days after the World Series. Um, and, and really, they, they do abide by those rules in, in, a, in, a lot, in, in a lot of ways. You know, not, not in all ways. You know, they get a, around things. But honestly, I don't think there was a lot of contract negotiations going on between free agents and, and teams other than their own teams. And what have we seen? We've seen basically every free agent sign back other than Tyler Anderson, and that was kind of tied to the, um, to the qualifying offer. But other right. than that, it's been like Rizzo back to the Yankees. It's been Montero back to the Astros. Um, and that's partly because of the timing of everything. So I think after Thanksgiving, it'll start to heat up. And, of course, the winter meetings are the first week of December in San Diego, and there's always action there. So the non-tenders are fairly interesting and, and kind of a big headline right now, mostly because you've got a former NL MVP, a guy who's entering his age 27 season from the le- swings from the left side, plays any of the three outfield positions pretty darn well, and can play some first base too. Cody Bellinger was non-tendered by the Dodgers. And, you know, just listen, if you're looking to fit a team – the White Sox and Bellinger would fit really well. Where do you think the pay number is for Bellinger? Who's starting to call? Is he one of the most hyped non-tender guys that you've seen in a while? 
Oh, he's got to be rookie of the year and MVP. It just doesn't happen very often, but you see why the numbers really have tanked for him over the last couple of years. Let's let's remember if you do sign him, you're getting a project here. Granted, mm-hmm. he'll probably hit 20 home runs for he hit 19 in a bad year last year. He's still a reclamation project here. He's not like the final piece to a championship team. He'll he would fit the White Sox because they need left-handed hitting, but. There's a lot of teams that need left-handed hitting. I, I talked to a couple GMs um, at the GM meetings that talked about how much more interest there is in lefties this year than in recent years because of the elimination of the shift. He's going to be sought after. He's going to make ten million plus. Like right? he's going, you know, he should have. He could have made eighteen in, in arbitration. So he's certainly mm-hmm. going to make more than ten million. Probably maybe twelve or thirteen, something like that. The question, Connor, is is, is Scott Boris take him into a one-year rebuild his value type of deal or is he still going to try to get a multi-year contract because the value for left-handed hitting is so great and and he does have some proven history i have a feeling that he's going short term to rebuild the value because he's at such a young age Um, and the one thing i know about scott boris and i guarantee you no one else is talking about this is that he takes players to places where they hit and granted, Bellinger's been in the NL West his whole career, so yes, these numbers are going to be a little bit, little bit um, uh, slanted, but the Colorado Rockies might have a leg up on Bellinger because his numbers at Coors Field, which is not a surprise, are mm, really yeah. good. Better than San Diego, better than any of the NL West teams, which have the larger sample size. Um, he's taken a few at-bats um, at guaranteed rate. He's taken none at Wrigley Field, for example. I just know how Boris thinks. He'll, if it's a pillow contract, if it's a one-year deal, he'll direct them somewhere that he can put up numbers. And certainly, guaranteed rate is a place you can do that for a left-handed hitter, much more than Wrigley Field, for example. The ball usually flies uh, to right field for, for lefties in, in the summertime. Um, so it would also fit, I think, the White Sox willing to spend on a one-year more than a multi-year. So I'd put them in the team photo, but there's probably a lot of teams in that photo. It's a large photo. But I know Boris, he's going to direct. If he can get a one-year out of Colorado, who wouldn't want to do that? That's a place to rebuild value. Oh, and a nice place to live for a year. That's the, You can yeah. do worse than, than Denver, the Sunshine State. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Jose Abreu now has rumors connecting him to the San Diego Padres. You know, I, 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 it's hard for me to move. I think it's hard for a lot of White Sox fans to put their mind, mind in a place where you may be moving on. Do you see it going that way? Uh, and do you see other places as potential for Jose? Yes, I do see it going that way. In fact, I was on late in the year, maybe in the playoffs, mentioning San Diego. I I, I was on that early on. Abreu and San Diego, there's a lot of smoke there. That is is absolutely true. Um, They're interested in him, even with the power outage. They feel like they have enough if Tatis comes back and Soto sort of returns to form Machado. If he can just be that RBI machine that we know he is, hit close to 300, if he's more of a 10 to 20 home run guy like we saw last year, they'd be okay with it. There's absolutely smoke there. I think the Rays would be interested. I think the Astros would be interested. Some years, or I should say a lot of years, you don't have teams that need first base. It's kind of a role that you, you usually can find. But this year, there, there's a need. Um, uh, so the, the Cubs need a first baseman. The Padres, the Astros, the Rays, just some teams off the top of my head. But I know A.J. Preller is absolutely interested in Jose Abreu. There's definitely some smoke there. Um, who wouldn't want to live there for a year or two, right? Connor, you mentioned Colorado. San Diego is a pretty good place. Not the greatest hitters park, but this isn't a player 
rebuilding value, right? There's a player wanting to finish his career probably with a winner, probably in a nice place. I'm just assuming. And so I don't think that the, the power outage for him is going to matter so much because, you know, balls do go to die there at Petco, especially at night. Talking with Jesse Rogers here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, when we're done speaking with Jesse in the last part, portion of the show, we're going to hear the rest of Ethan Katz comments on some White Sox pitchers. One thing he mentioned, though, Jesse, was they're a starter short in terms of the rotation yeah. right now. I mean, he was pretty clear about it. Does that tend to be – do you think that's a free agent move the White Sox would make? Is it a handful where you try and accumulate some innings and then kind of best guy wins it? Is this where uh, the potential trade that Rick Hahn has been talking about materializes to get the White Sox that fifth starter? Not that he'd be necessarily a five, uh, but you know, just to round out the numbers. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's different avenues to go there. I, I, I think this is the one place they might spend a few dollars. I, I don't think they're going to spend a lot. They've kind of been on record about that. Um, but they do need depth in that rotation. They saved a few bucks yesterday in, in non-tendering a few guys, including Adam Engel. I mean, if, if there's a one-year, five, six million dollar deal to be had, I think they would spend it on a pitcher. Maybe it's two years and 12 million, something like that. Think back rotation guys whether it be maybe a, a flyer at, at, at Wade Miley if he was healthy. Um, you know, in the vein of Johnny Cueto last year, but maybe a little bit more of a sure thing, not that Cueto, you know, he certainly turned into a sure thing, but you didn't, he was a minor league invite at the time. So, right. yes, right. I think there's a there's a four or five um, that, that you could spend a few dollars on. I mean, they've got to sign a couple guys, right? I mean, you can't just go via trade on everything. So I think that's, that's, that's the avenue. Um, where they can they can find what you know Rich Hill. Think of somebody like that, sort of maybe late in their career, maybe sort of a, a former proven com- commodity that you think has something left as a five, and you're willing to spend five, six, seven million dollars on maybe a two year deal if, if it calls for it. But yeah, I think that's the that's the free agent route they could go to more more than a trade. So Jesse, here is the kind of the big question around the White Sox, and and I know it's kind of the same thing we've been talking about since the season ended. But now that we've got some clarity, we're farther into the off season, further into the off season. How, how do you see this now? You know, Rick mentioned Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, mentioned that trades might be the route for them. Who do the White Sox look to trade while staying competitive in the AL Central in 2023, and not? moving players they need now and getting in return players they can use now. This is a, this is a really tough, it's a tough line to walk for a general manager. Is it not? It's a tough needle to thread, especially if they're not going to spend a lot of money. If the payroll is going to be similar, he really has to walk a fine line. Um, Like in a perfect world, I guess let's pretend that Jose Abreu was under contract still, and he was still producing, which he pretty much did last year. Yeah, that's yeah. where you'd say, okay, we are redundant here with Sheets, Vaughn, and Abreu. We've got to trade one of the younger guys and get something for him. But now that Abreu is moving on, you're not as redundant in that position. And that was the only place you were really redundant, right? Don't have a prospect sort of pushing, I don't know, Tim Anderson out the door right now, right? Or, or Eloy or someone like that. It's kind of a tough one. Now, people talk about Liam Hendricks. Yes, you could get a lot for him probably. But like you said, if you're trying to win, that's a huge hole. That's the one area that I think they're going to be okay in, right? The back end of the bullpens, they, don't, they did a lot of work last year. They don't have to do a lot of work this year. But if you trade Liam, all of a sudden you have a hole there. However, sometimes you can roll the dice with, with the closer, right? In some ways, 
if, if you're in a desperate situation and you think you can get a haul for him, you figure that out in spring training or you give Graveman the job. And if he's not good enough, you, you make a trade in July. You know, that's one place you could do it. The other one, of course, is Lucas Giolito has one year left. You won't get a ton, but you'll get a, you could get a couple, three guys for him um, because he is a starting pitcher. You're not going to necessarily get an equal major leaguer back, but he's a legit starter who had a bad year. Now, when the shortstops sign and the dust settles and there's a couple teams that still need one, Tim Anderson is very affordable. That would be a major shift in, the, in that White Sox clubhouse and in that lineup. Mm. Uh, but like you just said, if you if you trade Tim Anderson, you got to replace him. Um, if you trade Andrew Vaughn, you got to replace him. If you trade Liam Hendricks, you have to replace him. And there's just no one but Oscar Colas really uh, pushing anyone. And he's already got a spot basically in right field. It's a tough line to walk. Now, having said that, you might weaken yourself at closer, but strengthen yourself in three other places, and you feel like that trade-off is good enough. I didn't enter the offseason thinking they would trade Liam Hendricks, but I have to leave any possibility open. I, I don't think they would trade Eloy Jimenez. I think he'd probably get 75 cents on the dollar because of his injury history, but I have to leave every possibility open and just go back to what I said. Maybe you strengthen two areas or more and while you're weak in one. That's the best way I can say it. Jesse, appreciate it as always. And uh, assuming Twitter is still alive in the coming <laughs> weeks, uh, White Sox fans can follow you here for all the latest on the Major League Baseball hot stuff. Thanks, man. You got it. Anytime, Connor. Be well. All right. That's Jesse Rogers. Covers the league for ESPN.com. And like I mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter, as long as Twitter's still a thing, at Jesse Rogers ESPN. More to come on White Sox Weekly. I mentioned there's a couple more Ethan Katz comments that I want to bring to you that, that may talk to you exactly what Jesse and I were talking about just uh, a few minutes ago. It's ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Last little bit here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You can stay up to date on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow the White Sox on social today. They're at White Sox everywhere you're on social, including Twitter, for as long as it, as it exists. At C1 McKnight is where you can follow me uh, for as long as Twitter exists. We got a lot more from Ethan Katz I want to get to before we're out on the show. I did want to update you on a couple of roster moves the White Sox made. Uh, non-tenders, Adam Engel, Mark Payton, and Danny Mendick. Uh, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn kind of made comments that hey, they'll stay in touch with some of the non-tenders. It's not often you see teams re-sign their own non-tenders, but the White Sox did so with Carlos Rodon from 2020 to 2021. That worked out fine for them. Uh, and Carlos, to be honest with you. Uh, Danny Mendick, I think, might be in that mix as well. The White Sox are thick with middle infielders. Uh, but Mendick played well last year, and they may well need you know, it's a, a, a larger mix at second base, depending on what they're going to do in free agency or with trades. The 40-man roster expanded by two when Brian Ramos and Jose Rodriguez, both infielders in their own right, Ramos a little bit on the left side, and Rodriguez more up the middle, uh, were added to the 40-man roster. Ramos played his, uh, he will be 21 in March. Jose Rodriguez played in his age 21 season, had the hammock bone surgery uh, late in the year. So that's where the White Sox are at in, some, in terms of some of those moves, uh, protecting some of their own and moving on 
from Engel, Peyton, and Danny Mendick. Ethan Katz spoke with White Sox beat reporters, and I wanted to play just a couple more for you, updating you on, on kind of the state of the White Sox pitching infrastructure. We already played some of his comments on Dylan Cease finishing second, AL Cy Young voting, and on Lucas Giolito as well. Here's the latest from Ethan Katz on White Sox starter Michael Kopech. Um, I mean, that's the plan. That was the whole reason for the surgery um, was to kind of fix that and, and, and get his leg right for this next year. So he's currently in Texas. He's rehabbing. Uh, it's going well. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a little bit slower progression than we originally thought, but he's still on track to be ready for spring full go. Um, we have it mapped out for him breaking camp, being able to finish camp at five innings and 85 pitches, which will put him in a good spot to start the season. So he, he's in a good spot. Um, rehab's going well, and we just have to, he just has to keep crushing his rehab and everything keeps, needs to keep going north. So he's doing well, and we expect him to have a, a, a normal offseason here shortly. Normal offseason is good, especially considering the last couple of offseasons for no one have been anything close to normal. That's big two for Kopech. You know, 5 and 85, while, when breaking camp um, looks like right about where you'd like to be, maybe just a touch behind, or maybe not behind, but maybe cautious is a better way of saying where that might be for them. Still, you know, with Ethan, and we'll get to it in a bit. Um, but with Ethan kind of saying we're looking for an extra starter, you know, that, that rotation has four in it right now. Uh, that's despite the fact that Davis Martin threw really well for the White Sox down the stretch up to that final start of the season. Uh, they're at four. Um, so more innings, maybe something the White Sox need to sign to that 26-man roster. Garrett Crochet may provide some innings for the White Sox uh, in 2023, but it does sound like they're all going to be out of the bullpen, or at least the bulk of them it will be. Here's Katz on Garrett Crochet. And obviously, the rehab process is still ongoing. He's at 120 feet. Um, it's feeling good. So um, he's progressing nicely, and I think it's just a matter of how he keeps progressing. It, you know, when you're dealing with Tommy John, it, it's it, guys come back and, and – 10 months, 12 months, some guys take 14, 16 months. So, you know, obviously it's very important to what we do in the big leagues and whatever role that is, that's to be determined. But right now um, he needs to get through his rehab and and that's going well. And, and he should be an impact in some sort of way um, next year. I, I guess you said it's kind of hard to, to know at this point in the rehab, but is there a way to balance, you know, he'd be helpful for you on the bullpen He's coming off of TJ and being careful with that. And also he he wants to move towards building some skills, building some from reps toward maybe being able to start a long-term at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think realistically, I don't think starting's in the cards next year. Um, this is just me speaking because, you know, if he's starting and, you know, say he's, he is ready, you know, maybe a month after the season, he starts like his innings are going to be done um, with, with his rehab process. And, you also have to factor in how's he feeling, how's it going, and it, it's pretty tough to go out there and saying, you know, you know, you got two innings, you got three innings, um, that that kills a bullpen. So it, you're looking at maybe a piggyback situation, you know, just thinking creatively. I I don't know if that's realistic, um, right in the beginning of the season with him coming back. I think it's just a matter about getting him on the field see how he's feeling kind of going from there in the bullpen. You have a better opportunity to kind of 
um, manage him a little bit more to take care of him. And he could get multiple ups, so he's still getting uh, a workload under him, but it's a little bit more controlled, whereas uh, starting, uh, you got to take care of the other guys on the team as well. So starting for me personally, this is me speaking, that I think it might be a little bit tough next year. Um, we kind of just see where things kind of unfold after that. So that's White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz with kind of the uh, the summation, the sum up of where they're at arms wise kind of leads you to believe those Sox could be signing some innings either in the rotation for sure or, or maybe even some more in the bullpen. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Ron for calling and everybody else. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number for next time. Huge thank you to Jesse Rogers, our guest today, and of course to our producer Kendra Smith. We'll be back next week for more White Sox Weekly right here on ESPN 1000. Have a great afternoon.